Welcome to the latest FT Advisor in Focus podcast on the topic of how protection fits into family financial planning. We all know how important it is to curate wealth and to get started on the savings and investment journey. But sometimes we forget about protecting that wealth or rather protecting the people that earn the income that makes that pension pot or that makes that investment portfolio. So joining me to discuss some of these issues is Catherine Knowles, Managing Director at Cura Financial Services, Tony Mudd, Divisional Director for Tax and Technical Support at St. James's Place, and Alan Bainan, Head of Distribution of Intermediary Protection for Scottish Widows. Welcome all. So let's start with the first question. I'm going to start with you, Catherine. Why is it important to have that conversation about protection when it comes to financial planning? I think it's really important to have um, that conversation. I've been chatting to so many people. I speak to people in the wealth space, you know, cash flow, pensions, protection, mortgage, and protection is just that little bit of extra peace of mind. And also, whilst it may just seem like a little bit of an add-on sometimes, it's actually really phenomenal how much it can help somebody in so many different ways. So a really good example and clear example for me is that, you know, if we've got something where somebody's doing like the pensions and the investments and they're planning all of this for somebody and they're saying, right, you're going to be able to retire by this age and you're going to be able to live off this for the rest of your life. You think, wonderful. And that sounds amazing. But if they're not also talking about something like income protection, what happens if that person falls ill? Then all those projections are gone. You know, you could suddenly eat into all of that kind of savings, the investments, all of the plan immediately disappears. So that kind of that goal that somebody is trying to do and that, that, that really brilliant thing that the advisors try to put on just falls apart. And I think we're all getting, sort of, there's more and more things being diagnosed all the time and the risk of being unable to work due to ill health is increasing all the time. And um, you know, I don't think you can really put a financial plan in place without protection. You've got to be in protection because you want to make sure that if something happens that they can still pay into those pensions, still pay into the investments. You're going to want to make sure that if anything happens to them seriously, that mortgages are paid off, that the family isn't then left with this huge liability and one less income coming in and which will really affect the standard of living. And um, and then also as well, obviously things like the funeral cover or the IHT planning, everything like that. It's protection provides a really simple solution. And for the majority of the time, it's pretty straightforward to do. Indeed. Tony, how, how about these conversations? Is it always an integral part of a, an initial uh, conversation with a client or should it be? Uh, I don't think there's any doubt that it should be part of every conversation. Um, as Catherine says, fundamentally, it, it will underpin almost every other financial plan that someone takes out, either for themselves or for their family or for loved ones, etc. It is, you know, quite simply the foundations of everything. And, and like foundations of a house you know if someone falls ill on term six or or, or dies then those foundations crumble you, they've got no income they have extra expenditure that is what protection is for that's what it's about alan what's the view from scottish widows yeah well uh, much the same as uh what, what tony was saying uh, our interpretation is that People who are saving for pensions are looking to protect their lifestyle uh, in retirement. And what we're saying is, well, actually, what happens if you don't get there or what happens if an event occurs that prevents you from funding for that uh, retirement? 
And uh, and also, interestingly, I think when we as an industry talk about claims being paid, which I think we should do more and more and talk about the social value we deliver, I think we should also reflect on the fact that, you know, it, with our experience in Scottish Widows, 22% of all uh, claimants for life insurance policies are aged between 31 and 50. And round about 44% of all critical illness claims are paid out to people between 31 and uh, and 50. And I think just reflecting on those figures just emphasizes the importance of building in protection into the financial planning process. I'm glad that we all seem to be uh, singing from the same uh hymn sheet there but let's let's talk a little bit more perhaps about sort of in different types of protection uh, when it comes to sort of intergenerational wealth planning or indeed wealth planning why is life insurance a really useful product to have in place it, it seems like such a basic thing that everyone would have but but, but why is it uh, why is it so important i think it's important because you know just first of all we should reflect that life insurance is a unique product you know it's it's probably the one product that most people should have, but would hope never to benefit from. But when it comes to intergenerational transfer, it is the easiest way of, of making sure that you're passing on wealth down to the next generation. You know, you can do all sorts of clever IHT planning, gifting money into trust, but all too often people sort of forget the limitations of trusts or, or forget some of the complexities. Um, and actually, sometimes it's just easier to put life assurance in place. Um, but life insurance can be used for so many different ways. It can be used to equalise the gift that you're trying to pass on if you've got um, things like large properties that maybe go to one child or, or a business that goes to somebody else. But when it, when it comes to intergenerational wealth, I also think that we as an industry are, are missing a huge trick in um, using protection products for the benefit of our children in terms of getting them to understand the value of protection. You know, there is absolutely nothing to stop a, a parent who, let's face it, will have responsibility for their children, however long, however old they are, to take out protection for them, you know, to make sure, because they, they will often start their own families, take out you know, mortgages, move into rented accommodation. If they can afford protection, even if they can afford protection, they so often don't value it. Um, but ultimately, there's nothing to stop a parent taking out a policy uh, or the individual taking out the policy and the parent paying the premiums. Um, the flip side is, of course, that if that individual now becomes long-term sick or dies, it's the parent who's almost certainly going to have responsibility in some shape or fashion, or even worse, having their children come back and live with them again. Which I think, <laughs> That'd be terrible. <laughs> which I think, if, if we're all honest, that's the last thing we want. And I can guarantee you it's the last thing they want as well. Yeah, I, I, I guess that, that's, that's, that's very true. Uh, Alan? Yeah, again, I uh, completely uh, agree with Tony. I think the challenge that we have as an industry, however, is that um, pretty much for the last 15 years, the wealth channel, uh, and, and frankly, it's the wealth channel that can perhaps more easily engage with discussions about intergenerational of financial planning, but the wealth channel has effectively walked past the uh, the protection opportunity, and that's the that's the, the the nettle that we need to grasp as an industry is to try and reconnect 
the wealth advisors with the with the protection uh, opportunity. And I think we've got a lot of work to do to to try and uh, to try and engage them because we've seen protection specialists evolve and have created incredibly effective distribution and advice-based operating models to to help you know, solve uh, and uh, deliver protection solutions to customers. But I, I still think there are areas of the market which are the preserve of the wealth advisor. And, you know, it's engaging them in the opportunity in the way that, uh, frankly, St. James's Place have done, you know, pretty effectively. They're, they're putting protection up the centre of their, 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 their proposition. Not enough wealth firms are doing that. But when it comes to life insurance, it, it, it just seems like such a an obvious product that everyone should have. And yet, Catherine, your, your experience is, is that actually people just don't even know why they need it, do they? I think that you find with a lot of people, specifically talking life insurance, I think people think of it as the grown up thing to do. I think, you know, it's one of those, it's when there's a trigger, you know, so somebody gets a mortgage, they automatically think I'm a grown up now, I've got a mortgage, I must get life insurance. And it kind of triggers that. And a lot of the thing with the protection side of things is that you're then going, okay, then, but then what is paying for that mortgage? Well, it's you. So there's an income protection need there. And it's quite an interesting thing in terms of like the intergenerational wealth. And it goes on a little bit from what Tony was saying there in terms of like potentially parents getting protection policies for their children. Um, so one, I was, I was chatting to um, Andy Willem the other day and it was, he brought up something which I thought was really fascinating. And he said, what about parents paying for income protection for their kids? Because if you do that, obviously people who may be, I don't know, young or middle-aged or something, if they get ill, it's often still the bank of mum and dad that steps in. And that means that they may be struggling just generally, or they may have, you know, lots of investments, but then everything they've worked for in terms of those investments is going to get really eaten into very, very quickly. And then they're not actually going to be able to join it themselves. So potentially, can we say to people, well, look, if something happens, would you, you know, do you want to pay this to make sure that something happens to your child? You know, basically they're not going to eat into everything you've worked hard for, which is a really positive thing. But another thing that we've not necessarily touched upon yet it's like the role of things like equity release. Now, I know that's definitely going to an area that's not my specialism, but it is something that stands out, especially with the amount of work I'm doing for people like Parkinson's UK and supporting people over there. So with the long-term care planning, the equity release, there are so many options and opportunities to put protection in place. So, you know, if somebody is having to take out a lot of money and then potentially leave their children not with the estate that they had potentially wanted to, well, let's put a bit of protection in place, you know, just so that we can refill that. And then the children can pay off that chunk that's come out of the house and they can leave what they are really wanting to leave to the family. That's a really interesting point when it comes to intergenerational wealth planning. That's also intergenerational wealth protection. That sounds like a really, uh, a really good and solid idea. I'd like to see that uh, being taken up up more because after all, you know, we parents pay into junior ISAs or into junior SIPs or something for our children. So why not, uh, you know, the parents get an income protection plan in place for their kids? So I think that's a, a really important point. And ultimately what we're talking about, I think, is a cultural change in the market. Because if you turn the clocks back 20, 30 years ago, we were looking at each generational cohort was going to be wealthier than the one before it. And now that's coming to a crunching halt. I mean, the baby boomers uh, are probably at the zenith of the wealth accumulation generation. The challenge for them is going to be decumulating 
uh, in ways that have, have been touched upon. But the, the, the simple reality is, is that the younger generations aren't going to be able to, to afford uh, protection. And they've got a, a whole series of challenges relating to wealth accumulation, but also making sure that they've got protection in place. And if we think that they're going to be inheriting from their parents because of the way mortality rates have, have evolved over the last couple of years, you know, your, your, uh, your 25 to 35 year olds aren't going to be inheriting until they're 60 to 65, which is, which is not particularly helpful given that their most, ex their, their, their most expensive sort of child rearing years will be, uh, will be behind them. So there's definitely a market that we need to look into. Uh, which facilitates uh, parents, uh, you know, supporting and funding protection policies, and using parents and giving parents, you know, I'm talking grandparents now, the peace of mind that they've got cover in place because they might not be able to make an in an inter vivos uh, an in life wealth transfer, but they might be able to fund that uh, protection policy. But certainly, funding these sort of protection policies, income protection or critical illness cover. These almost seem, again, to be the sort of questions that should be asked as part of um, a client fact find or um, when you start coming up to your clients, maybe they're getting married or maybe they're having a child to say to them, have you got critical illness cover in place? Have you considered income protection? And, and so often we see the figures, whether it's from Swiss Re or, or, or other sort of reinsurers, you see the figures each year shows this huge gap. So I don't know, uh, Tony, what, what can we do to kind of close this gap down? I don't, there's no magic bullet here. There is there is clearly particular milestones that um, that offer offer in, interesting triggers, if you like, for people to um, sort of discuss protection with their clients, or even for individuals themselves to realise that they they need some form of protection. You know, the obvious things are birth of a child, sort of establishing sort of significant debt or a mortgage, moving into rented accommodation, um, becoming sort of cohabiting or marriage where you have one party who is sort of partially or, or sort of totally reliant on, on the other. But there are some more interesting ones. I want to pick up on something that Catherine said earlier in relation to uh, long-term care, which is a particular interest of, of mine. And there are actually a couple of policies on the market that are whole-of-life policies that will actually effectively prepay a significant sum, uh, sum um, in the event of care. And in that way, you, you've got a, a life insurance product that has all the benefits of paying out a lump sum on death, but actually includes an option for someone to actually take that sum early and use it to, to pay their long-term care costs, which, if someone does go into care, can be substantial and can have a, have a significant effect on the money that is left behind. But there are other significant milestones, you know, sort of getting to the point where you start want to sort of deaccumulate to pass on assets to the next generation because people are no longer doing that on death. They're, they're passing assets on because they want to see their children enjoy it, but taking out life policy just in case they die within seven years um, is, is an, another obvious one. Anything to do with coming into wealth, whether you inherit it or sell a business and you're looking at IHT planning can, can be another, another trigger as well. There are lots of triggers, but it's it's really up to the advisors to um, to sort of identify that with the client. Very few people wake up in the morning and say, do you know what? I'm going to take out some protection today. Sadly, it doesn't happen. Yeah. Catherine, what's your what's your view on uh, what's Tony? What Tony's just said? Yeah, I think it's all 
absolutely as you would as you would say and i'm sure it's what we all sort of like follow and uh, believe to be the same way i think for me um a big thing is sort of that thing of you know we're all specialists in our own areas and i think you know you can get people who do everything you know they can do the investment they can do the pensions and protection they can do lots of other areas and that's that's absolutely brilliant and that's good if they can do that but we are also as advisors you know we are limited by time there is only so much time that we can put towards each client because we're obviously we're helping and supporting and serving our other clients too and it might be that you know we're talking about such technical things in all these different areas that you know I'm, I'm always a bit conscious of you know sort of like let's not beat people up in a sense you know if someone's not had time to talk about protection or to talk about something else it may be that they genuinely have not had time to and a big thing for me is when we're seeing that is that say that well that's that's fine but then the, the point is is to use and speak with somebody who you trust who can step in and offer that support and you know let's make sure that as an entire advisor community that we are all sort of standing there going let's just all help each other out right you don't have time to do this that's fine i can step in here well i don't do your side of things so why do i why do you chat to my clients about your side of things so i, I think you know sort of like in a roundabout way it's we should, we should just all be working together and it's a bit more probably <laughs> it is yeah. so uh, alan working working together how, how, does, how does that sound to you uh, well, I think we're absolutely, absolutely right. I mean, you know, if you look at the intermediary market, they segment the three broad buckets. You've got the protection specialists like Catherine and uh, and Curie. You've got the mortgage broker community, and you've got the uh, you've got the wealth community, and they've all got different dynamics, operating uh, dynamics. And, and Catherine's right; some people don't have the bandwidth to be able to to perhaps do that uh, full holistic job. And it's, it's not so much the advice process with protection, but it's the, it's the execution process. It's, it's that customer journey. So, so actually, I, uh, I think the, you know, sort of Tony came up with the, the adage of write it or, or refer it. At least I attribute it to him. And, and I think he's absolutely right. And that's a cultural shift that the, uh, the industry needs to, uh, industry needs to make. Well, let's look at writing it. Tony, if, if we're writing it, what's, what other sort of life triggers? I know you did mention some earlier. What other sort of life triggers or, or uh, key moments in someone's life might be a great place for an advisor to write it or refer it? Yeah. Um, actually, the, the term I came up with was um, write it, refer it, don't ignore it. Um, oh, the full thing. Yes, we need the full thing. We, we need the full Absolutely. thing. Um, um, and... Uh, it's been sort of um, inferred already by Alan and Catherine, um, and th this is this issue of you know when we, we shouldn't forget that financial advisors ultimately they're in business, um, and they will they will have a business plan, and they will specialise in a business plan. They will they will choose an area of their own expertise. They will target market the clients in a particular way, um, and actually we shouldn't beat them up about um, not writing protection. You know, we, we can sit here and say it's the foundation of all planning, and it is. But if it's not their area of specialism, then we shouldn't we shouldn't give them a hard time about it. N not everyone operates in the pension transfer market. Not everyone operates in estate planning. Not everyone operates in the post-retirement drawdown market. These are complicated areas, and so is protection. What 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 isn't acceptable, in my view, 
is for them to operate in these markets with their clients and actually not accept that it is not an area of specialism, but not refer it to somebody else. I mean, SJP, we're in a slightly different position to many other operations, but we went out and we actually bought a business. And we said to all of our partners, look, if you, if this is not your market, if you don't have the expertise, or if you simply don't believe that you have this sort of relationship with your client, then give it to us. We will write it for you. I mean, and it's been an exercise that has worked tremendously well, um, but it does make sure that the clients have the protection they need. Now, that, that doesn't answer your specific question about Milestone, but I didn't think it was something I wanted to pass before, uh, before uh, we, we, we moved on. But I'll, I'll let, some, I'll let uh, Catherine or uh, Alan talk about other milestones other than the ones that I've mentioned. <laughs> yeah, okay, we'll go to Alan and then go to Catherine. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Uh, I, guess, I guess the most pressing one, and this is, you know, I skate on some political thin ice here, but, but ultimately uh, uh, I've got a daughter that lives in, in Paris and she's just bought a flat in Paris. And uh, uh, there was, she got a mortgage from a, a bank in Paris and there was no way that they were going to let her have that money without her having life insurance in place. And the more you look into that, the more you realize exactly the same is in Germany, exactly the same in Holland, exactly the same uh, in, in Ireland. And yet in this country, we think it's an entirely acceptable customer outcome to give them, saddle them with the biggest debt they're going to have and not have any uh, life assurance uh, in place. So, you know, that's something I think that we need to reflect on as an industry. And then the final point, I speak to a number of advisors and say, what's your protection development strategy? Oh, we have mortgage and protection advisors. And my response to that is, no, you don't. You have mortgage advisors that may or may not sell protection. And, uh, and there's a big difference between that and having a protection, uh, protection strategy. So I think we've, we've got to wrestle with that as an industry. You know, because obviously the mortgage to me mortgage is clearly a milestone and we do have a this kind of house purchase uh, mentality getting on the uh, property ladder in this country oh, we just lost you for for a second there but i think you're saying yes sure. we do have this uh, sort of house purchase mentality in, in this country but yeah. there's, there's there's also that question again isn't it of if you're renting you still need to be able to pay your rent <laughs> So, you know, we, it shouldn't just be something that we do when we're, we're having a mortgage. It should be something when you're, when you're renting or, or when you sign a, a rental agreement. You, sh you should be thinking, well, okay, maybe I need to start thinking about insurance in case I can't pay my rent. Well, and Catherine, Catherine's nodding, Tony's nodding. Yeah. Perhaps we should um, encourage people to, when they get married and they sign their prenup, they should take out life assurance as well. How romantic would that be? <laughs> Listen, there's there's romance and there's just being practical. I mean, that might not be romantic when you're doing a prenup, but when it's uh, when you're sort of ten years down the line and you're too sick to work, you'll be thinking, "Oh golly, I really uh, I'm so glad yeah. that I signed that uh, that that in, that that uh, insurance agreement." I mean, Catherine Catherine's laughing, but uh, I know it's a serious point, isn't it, Catherine? It is. And just sort of like when we talk about like the milestones and different things like that. So just go back to very quickly something that Alan said. And I think this is something because I, I specifically see because of working in more like the high risk space with health conditions. So whilst I think I do agree in the sense of, you know, anybody who takes a mortgage should have life insurance. 
there is part of me that is a little reluctant for us to kind of mandate that because I think of all the people with health conditions who don't get to somebody like me and are turned away and declined insurance. And could that mean that they couldn't get a their home? Could they then not get a mortgage because they can't access life insurance? And I think, I think there's ways, there's a significant ways as an industry we can potentially try and improve that. Obviously, signposting is part of it, but it's also as well product development. You know, we should be at a stage where the laws be needed for specialists, but there should be a stage where even a client in a high risk situation should be able to go to most people and see at least some form of life insurance being offered to them. But yeah, in terms of milestones, I mean, obviously, yes, you've got marriage. Um, you've also got divorce um, is another one. You've got children. You've got stepchildren. Um, you have changes of occupation. Uh, you have salary changes. You have parents who are going into care. You, as, as we said, you know, all along, I won't, I won't pretend to know everything, the aspects of wealth planning and everything like that. But, you know, we've got all this kind of thing where we are wanting to do intergenerational health. So, Protection is something that I feel, and I've, I've heard this said quite a lot, that people kind of feel is, is sometimes beneath the prizes. Um, to do protection is something that they just look over. It's, it's, it's not the sexy part of our industry. But as Tony was saying, it is the foundations. And any. I don't think there's many. I, I, well, at the moment, I can't think of any financial products and services that an advisor provides where protection shouldn't be a key addition to what they're doing. There's, I think there's pretty much everything and anything, if that advisor wants to do completely right by that client and truly treat them fairly, then there should be a protection element done to support whatever advice they're giving. That, that's a pretty stark challenge to, to the industry, Catherine. Uh, Alan, do you think the industry will rise to that challenge? I think, well, we shouldn't stop trying. And, you know, uh, ultimately, I, I agree with everything uh, Catherine's just said there. I mean, there isn't a point in your adult life cycle when you can't argue there's a, there's a need for protection. Of course, you've got budget issues and budget constraints to consider. Uh, you need to be having that conversation. And of course, it's a conversation where you need to to have advice. And the the harsh reality is, is that people are finding it increasingly difficult to access advice or guidance on their protection needs. And, you know, we've seen in, in the market over the last, I don't know, over the last 10 years, you know, we've probably got 30 to 35% of all protection purchases are being made through unadvised distribution channels. Now, how good do we feel about that? And that's, you know, that's something that we really need to address and, you know, harness some of the things that Catherine's been saying and, and looking at what companies like SJP are doing to say, okay, how can we help uh, make a difference? Because, there, you know, as Tony says, there is no silver bullet, but it, it needs it needs to, there's no such thing as a free lunch. You need to invest time to think about how you can deliver a better customer solution to, to your customers, a, a broader customer solution. And it's, it's embracing new ways of working. Fair enough. Um, Tony, can I leave it to you to um, sum up some more hints and tips for advisors based on your experience? Yeah, listen, in some ways, I think what Catherine just said basically summed up um, the position beautifully. But um, listen, ultimately, I'll go back to what I said earlier. If, if you're a financial advisor, you don't want to work in protection, um, then, then give it to somebody else. Let somebody else do it. If you do want to work in protection, 
there is, you know, I don't know a provider out there, and certainly would include Scottish widows, that aren't prepared to basically provide any form of training um, in this market um, to actually help them get into it. Um, we're all in agreement. It's in this essential um, aspect of financial planning. And the only other thing I would sort of add is, and we haven't mentioned it really today in relation to protection, is that there are really isn't enough life policies being placed in trust. You know, if this is nothing to do with necessarily inheritance tax planning. You know, placing a policy in trust makes sure that as soon as the unfortunate event happens, the monies can be distributed pretty easily. Without that, it can take months. Probate can take a very long time. Six months if you're lucky. It can sometimes go on to years. Um, and I'm not saying the life insurance policy is therefore a waste of time, but it will, you know, you've significantly undermined the advice that you've given. So that would be a plea from me. Yeah, absolutely. And you need that sort of control as well. Of it. it sounds strange to say it gives the deceased control of the assets, but well, you know, it gives the deceased peace of mind before they die that there will be some control of, over the assets and distribution of them. Absolutely. That's a very long-winded way of me saying it's a good idea, but uh, <laughs> um, if, if something was, if something's worth saying, it's worth taking a long time to say. Um, however, having said that, uh, we are actually um, out of time on this podcast, but it's been really fascinating. And I know Alan, Catherine, Tony, I could have been talking to you for a lot longer and hearing all your hints and tips on how to integrate uh, protection into that holistic intergenerational wealth planning. But sadly, this is all we have time for. So Alan, Catherine, Tony, I've got to say thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. And thank you for listening. For more news and views, visit fdadvisor.com. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.